couple years ago, uh, the world lost uh, one of the great musicians in American culture. Some of you may have uh, remembered the news stories from 2017 that the great Glenn Campbell passed away from complications of Alzheimer's. If you know, knew anything about, uh, about Glenn Campbell, you know that from the late 60s to the early 80s that he had, um, he had several uh, number one hits on pop radio and in, on the country charts later in life. Uh, after he got serious about his faith, he began recording a lot of Christian music. Uh, Glenn Campbell uh, had his own television show in the late 60s, the, the Glen Campbell Good Time Hour. Some of you probably watched that. That was before my time, but I have seen some reruns. Uh, and so we know that, uh, man, he was a great, great musician from Billstown, Arkansas, not that far away from here. When he was four years old, um, he began showing some interest in music, and he came from a family that was very musical. That bunch of Campbells uh, was very musical. My bunch of Campbells, not so much, okay? Uh, but uh, he was showing a lot of interest in, in music, and uh, he was trying to play some of the guitars. He was four years old. He couldn't get his hands around the neck. He couldn't make the chords, and so his dad sent off, uh, got a Sears Roebuck catalog, found a $5 guitar, and in those days that was still uh, a decent amount of money, and so he sent off for a $5 guitar and uh, bought him this guitar, gave it to him as a gift, and, and from that point on, uh, you know, his musical abilities, Glenn Campbell's musical abilities became very apparent. In fact, before he made it big as a solo artist and uh, even as an actor, he, uh, he became uh, really highly regarded as, a, uh, as one of the best studio music musicians in the country. He was sought after by all the big stars. And if you remember, some of you that love uh, the, the music from pop radio from the 1960s, he was playing guitar and or singing on a lot of those, a lot of those songs. Some of them you would know, like... Uh, uh, oh, how do you say that? Dunk a Shame by Wayne Newton, okay? If you've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know that song, all right? Uh, so that's Glenn Campbell playing guitar. He played on Viva Las Vegas for Elvis. He played uh, Surf City by Jan and Dean. He played uh, guitar for, for hits by Sinatra and the Beach Boys. I mean, this guy, uh, this guy was an amazing talent. In fact, before he got sick with Alzheimer's, even... Um, at, at, in older, as, an, as an older man, he was regarded still as one of the greatest guitar players in the world before he began to really get sick and his abilities began to decline some. And so we think about, uh, we think about this, this, this amazing ability that he had to play guitar, but it all started, it all started for him when his dad had a gift to give to him. His dad got a gift specifically for him for a specific reason. Imagine what Glenn Campbell would have missed out on, what the world would have missed out on, if he would have just, when he got that guitar, if he would have said, hey, thanks, Pop, but, you know, I'm just going to set it over here in the corner, and I'm not going to fool with that very much. I kind of want to do things my own way. Imagine all the things that he would be he would have missed out on if he wouldn't have picked up that gift and began to explore it and began to use it. 
You see, Scripture tells us that Christ has personally, God has personally given certain gifts to every believer. Uh, these gifts are not rewards for good behavior. Um, they're, they're, not, they're, not bestowed, they're not bestowed upon us because of any merit or because we deserve anything. They are what we call gifts of grace. They are given to the believer by the grace of God. So we're going we're gonna to read about some of these gifts, not all of them, but some of them here in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7, and just for context, we're going to go ahead and read all the way down to verse 13. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. <clears throat> now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity, and he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is the one who has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this morning as we look at this passage and we think about these gifts that you have bestowed upon us, just a few of these gifts that are mentioned here in Scripture that are what we call spiritual gifts. Father, we pray that you would Help us to understand what it is you have for us this morning. And God, that you would encourage us and challenge us, Father, to, to live in such a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you remember, Paul, in, in, uh, in chapter 4, he kind of begins, uh, uh, begins a new sort of section in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters of Ephesians... Paul's talking a lot about doctrine. He's talking about, hey, this is what we believe. This is what Jesus did. This is what it's all about. He's laying the foundations of faith. But then in chapter 4 and in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he's going to concentrate more heavily on uh, not just on doctrine but on duty. He's, gonna, he's not just going to uh, uh, concentrate on beliefs, but he's going to also concentrate on behavior. He's... He's, he's, he's taking these things and he's saying if these are the things we believe in chapters 1 through 3 and starting in chapter 4. And if you really believe this, this is how it looks like to live this out in your life. And so in the first part of chapter 4, he challenges the believers to walk worthy of their calling. And uh, the, 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 the idea is that you and I as believers, that we carry the name of Jesus Christ and so Paul challenges believers, and we are challenged to live like the name of Christ means something to us. You know, that, that our, 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 our walk in our everyday life should reflect the faith that we say that we have. And so he says to walk worthy. And then he, he begins talking about some of the things that unify us as believers. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the oneness of believers, the oneness of the church, the things that 
unite us. And he says, uh, he says in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, he says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and, and in all. And so he's talking about these things that unify us as believers. We are united in our faith through our common faith in, 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 in a God, in, 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 a, in a Christ, in a Messiah that we all share in common. And so we are unified in Christ. But see, then he begins to transition again here in, in verses, uh, verses 7 through uh, 12, 13. In, in this passage here, he, he, he not only, he's already talked about the things that unite us, but now he begins talking about some of the things that make us different. He talks about some of the things, uh, some of the diversity that we see in our faith. And as he does so, he's talking about some different gifts. And the first thing I want you to understand and see about these grace gifts or these spiritual gifts is that, uh, that these gifts are presented by God. They are presented by God. They are given by the grace of God. Verse 7 says, now, now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so uh, what's amazing about this is that we are told right here, not only are we different, because he begins to describe different gifts as we move on in this passage, but it says that it's given according to the measure of Christ. In verse 11 it says, and he personally or he himself gave you these gifts. And so we see that not only are we created different, but we are created by God to be a little different. It, it, it's amazing when we think about that, that God created us different, and, and in some ways, He expects us and wants us to be a little different. I mean, we are united in Christ, but each and every one of us have different abilities and different talents and different spiritual gifts and you know we think about that we're reminded that you know we look around the world that we live in and and you look at the world that we live in and, and we realize that that we live in a world that's, that's hard on people i mean in fact we're hard on ourselves i mean we we look at ourselves many times and and, and we we look at ourselves through the lens many times of what we are not we compare ourselves with things that we think um, we think are um, ideal in the world. We look at ourselves. We think I'm not, you know, I'm not thin enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough or fast enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And, and, and we're constantly comparing ourselves to what we see on the outside and what we, what we see in the culture around us. But in reality, what we should be doing instead of looking on the outside is we should be looking on the inside. Because Scripture tells us that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, lives inside of you. And, and, and we think about who was Jesus. I mean, who, who was God? The you know, when, when God comes down into the earth, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh. It's talking about Jesus. Who was Jesus? We think about what would God look like today. It's, it's what Jesus looks like. But, you know, Jesus was not a flashy person, or at least 
It's not reflected in Scripture. Scripture doesn't, doesn't indicate that he was a, a rock star or a supermodel or you know, a star athlete or any of these things. In fact, um, the, the book of Isaiah tells us that, that Jesus uh, had no form uh, or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Now, now that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that Jesus is less of a person. What that tells us is that Jesus was not, uh, was not majestic in his outward appearance, okay? But yet, but yet Jesus was and is perfect in the eyes of God. And so even though the world may not have saw, seen him as the most beautiful, you know, whatever, he was perfect in the eyes of God. And he is perfect in the eyes of God today. And so we need to be looking within when we think about our self-worth. We need to not look at the things of the world. See, self, self-worth should be measured by the opinion of your creator, not the opinion of your culture. The world around us is damaged. Uh, I mean, we look, I mean, opinions change in the world, but you know whose opinion never changes? God's. See, his opinion never changes. And we start looking from looking within to Christ who is within us, and we start looking inside to God for that, uh, uh, for, for, for that self-image and self-worth. You're going to see God do things in your life, and you're going to see God bring you a, a, a new kind of, confidence that is not based on outside things, but is based on your faith. But Scripture teaches us this because of God's love that He gives us these grace gifts, these certain gifts and abilities, okay? Now, every believer in Jesus Christ, whether you know it or not, Scripture teaches us that every believer, every believer, every believer has a spiritual gift, whether you know it or not. Now, I know already some of you are maybe a little, a, a little scared because I said spiritual gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts in a Baptist church, and you're thinking, is that pastor going to tell me speaking tongues? Does, does he expect me to get up and start, start hopping pews and running around the, the, the sanctuary speaking, you know, gibberish? No, that's not what we're talking about, okay? Yes, there are other people that have different understandings, and I would say misunderstandings. There's different interpretations and different thoughts in other denominations about what it means to practice spiritual gifts. But here's the thing. Even though we may disagree with some of our more charismatic brothers and sisters in Christ, it does not mean that spiritual gifts in and of themselves completely do not exist, okay? Spiritual gifts do exist, maybe not the way some of our, uh, some of our other uh, brethren would, uh, uh, would practice them, but they do exist. And so I want to look at this, and I think it's always important when you're looking at whether it's a spiritual gift or anything else in Scripture, it's important you allow Scripture to identify those things Scripture to define those things, and that you let Scripture speak for itself, okay? And so here are mentioned a few of those spiritual gifts. We'll get to those here in a second. But what I want you to see here is that they are presented by God. God has given you specifically, God has given you, God presents to you 
a spiritual gift. See, when, when, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And, and when He does, not only does He bring that salvation, not only is the Holy Spirit a, a seal of your salvation, a sign of your salvation, but He brings with Him these spiritual gifts. And God gives you these things, these spiritual gifts, that He gives these grace gifts to you for a reason. So, so grace gifts are presented by God. Here's the second thing. Grace gifts are purchased by God. They're purchased with a price. Now this is where, this is an interesting passage as Paul begins to illustrate this point that these gifts have been purchased by God. He begins to illustrate this by quoting uh, the Old Testament and he does it in a really unique way. A lot of times, and most of the times in Scripture, when the Old Testament is quoted or referenced, uh, most of the time it's quoted word for word. But what we see here is that Paul makes a specific reference to a verse in the book of Psalms. I want you to see it. It's uh, Psalms 68:18, And a lot of people, they, when, that everybody understands that uh, that, that Paul is referring to Psalm 68.18 in this passage. This is what Psalm 68.18 says. It says, You ascended to the heights, taking away captives, and you received gifts from people, even from the rebe rebellious, so that the Lord might live there. He says you received gifts. He doesn't say you gave gifts. In Ephesians 4, Paul says that you gave gifts, but in uh, Psalm 68, he says, you receive gifts. And so, because of this, I don't think that Paul is necessarily just quoting and referencing verse 18, but I think that this is a paraphrase, and this does, you do see this in Scripture, sometimes there will be something that's uh, referenced from Old Testament teaching, Old Testament doctrine, that is not directly quoted, but it's just paraphrased. And so, this is what Paul's doing, he's paraphrasing not just Psalm 68, 18, but the entire conclusion of Psalm 68. If you look at Psalm 68, 35, it tells us that the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Now, now let me explain to you how, 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 we, how we get there. See, Psalm 68 is, a, is, is an amazing psalm. It, it, it paints for us a picture of God coming back to Jerusalem as a conquering king, okay? Uh, imagine, uh, you know, this processional of this, uh, this ret return home from these war heroes, and, 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 and they're coming home after this great battle, and they have defeated the enemy, the king, our God. He has defeated all of the enemies of Israel, and he, he comes into the city, and there's shouts of joy, there's a parade, and and people are uh, rejoicing, and they're dancing, and they're celebrating, and then in comes the king, and he's riding through the parade, and behind the king are the captives, the ones that, that have been taken prisoner, the, 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 the ones that have been defeated. He has taken the captives captive. They are, uh, they are uh, uh, they're in prison. They're enslaved to him now. And so they, they no longer can do any harm. They're no longer a threat to God's 
people. And so in comes the captors. And then somewhere along in that parade behind the processional, somewhere is, are carts, maybe one or two, maybe many, uh, full of, uh, of the plunder, the loot, the treasure, you know, that belongs to a king that conquers a nation. And, and the nation has certain treasures. And so the king takes for himself and for his kingdom the treasures. And so behind them are these treasures, these gifts that, that the king has earned. He has earned because he has conquered. He is the one that has secured them. He is the one that has attained them. And they're all really, they all belong to Him. And so we see that, and that's the picture that is painted. And then we, we begin to see on through Psalm 68 just more and more about what this means for the king's people. And then at the very end of the chapter, it tells us that the God of Israel, this king, gives power and strength to His people. Because the king is gracious to his people, the king's people benefit from his victory. And that is what Paul is saying when he quotes this Psalm 68. And of course he references verse 18, but he's paraphrasing. He's getting to the end of the thing. Hey, God didn't just, the king didn't just receive these gifts, but he gives gifts to his people because he's gracious. And so Paul is, is saying here that God has given you special gifts. He, he has given you gifts of his grace. You didn't earn them. He did. You didn't win them. He did. You didn't secure them. He did. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the king has given a gift to you. See, grace gifts are freely given and received, but they were not freely purchased. They were freely given and received, but they were not freely purchased. So in verse 8, you see that the king, Paul references this passage uh, in, in, uh, in Psalm that talks about the king winning uh, these gifts and then giving certain things to his people. But in verse 9 and 10, we see how King Jesus actually won the battle for us to give us our gifts. It says that, it says that he descended it said but what does he ascended mean verse verse 9 uh, he says but what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth you see you see Jesus came out of heaven and lived on this earth that's what Philippians 2 talks about this is one of my favorite passages Philippians 2 it says to make your attitude that of Christ and well, what did Christ do? Verse 6 says, Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. In verse 7, instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on Across Jesus descended. He descended to this earth to teach us. He descended to this earth to love us. And he descended onto this earth to live and be the one and only perfect sacrifice so that he may give his life. He offered his life over 
to death on a cross, that, that he would be our payment for sin, that he could provide atonement. The Bible says that he became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ is available to any and all who would trust and believe in him. Put your faith in him. Repent of your sins and follow him. If you will begin to follow him, trust him, have faith in him, the Bible says that you can have reconciliation with God. He descended. But after he descended, remember he, he died on the cross. He was put in a tomb. and He laid there for three days later. And then, and then after that three days, uh, the rock was rolled away and the tomb was empty and King Jesus was resurrected. And he spends 40 days preaching and teaching to, uh, to, to multitudes as a resurrected Jesus. Many, many, many people saw him, heard him, testified to him, uh, to his teaching, his resurrection. And at the end of the 40 days, he calls his disciples to the mountainside. He gives them this last command, what we call the Great Commission. We see it in Matthew 28. It says, Go therefore to all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe the things that I have commanded you. Gives them that, that great command and, and, and that great commission. And after that, Scripture tells us that he ascended back into heaven, and he ascended not just to heaven, but to the throne of God, He ascended to, uh, uh, to, to sit at the throne. And so we, we see this and, uh, and, and we understand that he descended and he ascended. And remember that great commission. What, what, is that, what does that mean for us? What does God, what, why did Jesus tell the disciples, why did he give them the great commission? Because at the end of the day, as believers, you and I are called not only to be disciples, but to make disciples. We are called to be disciples, then we are called to make disciples. And then we see that, 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 that Jesus ascends into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God. And we see this reflected also in Philippians 2 after, after his great victory and what he has done on this earth and how he has, how he has defeated death and, 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 and hell and the grave. And he has defeated the enemy of God. And he has, uh, man, the victory has been won. He has ascended into heaven. Philippians 2 says, For this reason, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in earth and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, see Jesus descended and he won the victory then he went back up into heaven but before he did he gave to believers certain gifts and abilities in order that they may use those in the ministry of God they may use those in the carrying out of the great commission that in their discipleship and as they seek to make disciples and be disciples that they would exercise these gifts. You see, the, the gifts, the grace gifts, they were presented by God. They were 
purchased by God, but they are purposed by God as well. They're purposed by God. Verses 11 through 13 says, um, I'm sorry, verse 12 specifically says, uh, for the training tells us why they, he has given these gifts. For the training of the saints, remember the saints is believers, for the training of believers in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Throughout Scripture and also here in Ephesians 4, we've already seen this. The, the, the ministry of the church, both local and global, is typically um, compared to the function of a body. Okay, Think about you know, your body. Your body has many parts. Each one of your many body parts has specific functions. They do specific things at specific times. And, and, and they all work differently, but as they all do what they are supposed to do, they all uh, do the different things, they cooperate to function overall as a body. And if there's something in your body that's not working correctly, uh, you know, it can make you feel bad, uh, but it could kill you, you know. Uh, if, you're, if your lungs stop working and you can't take a breath, buddy, you're done, okay? It doesn't matter if, if the heart wants to beat, the lungs won't breathe, okay? Uh, you probably saw Christian hobbling around uh, today. Uh, on Friday, Leah and I took the boys to the trampoline park, and Christian twisted his ankle on one of the trampolines, and, and it, it's a little swollen. It's getting better, but he's limping around, and in the last day or two, he has realized how important his feet are and how important his legs are. And, and he's realized how much he appreciates being able just to walk, you know, down the hallway without having pain. He, he told me uh, last night, he said, uh, he says, Daddy, it's a good thing that, uh, that my other foot isn't hurt or you'd have to carry me everywhere. And so, you know, he, he's understanding the, the importance of, all these things in his body working together. And so, and so we have to understand the, the parts of the body, they're different, but they work in cooperation to function as a, as a healthy body. Listen, folks, listen. As a church, we're not all the same, okay? We all have different abilities. And when we serve Christ in those different ways, God created you differently, okay? He, he gave you certain abilities. He gave you those abilities in order for you to utilize them so that when you utilize those abilities in your unique way that you work together to function as a healthy body of Christ. And so, so we, we understand some of us have, uh, well, all of us have a gift. Not all of us have the same gifts, but, but all of us have Spiritual gifts. Listen, you need to know what your spiritual gifts are. Uh, you probably, if you've ever studied uh, studied spiritual gifts, you're studied Ephesians four. If you ever studied uh, the the, the uh, writings of Paul to the Corinthians, you've probably uh, come across maybe even some study of Romans, uh, some references to these gifts. Some of you may have in past taken what we call spiritual gift survey. You may have an idea of what your spiritual gifts are already. But some of you may not. And so if you've never taken a spiritual gift survey, you've never looked into really understanding what these gifts might be, uh, there's different ways you can kind of explore that and kind of get an idea of, 
of, of what that is. We have um, on our website, you can go to our, our, our website online to pvfbc.org. And on the homepage, if you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see a, cu a couple buttons. If you're the kind of person that likes to do stuff on paper, there's a, there's a paper survey. You can click on that button. You can print it off. And you can, you can write on that sucker and you can do that survey. The instructions are there. Uh, so you're welcome to do that. That's provided by Lifeway. There's another uh, button there for an online spiritual gift survey. If you just want to click on a button and, and go through and answer, answer some questions and see what it tells you, then you can do that as well. But I want to encourage you, if you don't know what your spiritual giftedness is, I want to encourage you to explore that and, 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 and find out more about it, okay? The other thing I want you to understand is I want you to not get confused between a spiritual gift and a talent, okay? Uh, a lot of you say, well, God has given me this gift. I can play the guitar, okay? Well, and that is a gift. I mean, that God gives you the ability to do that, and you've been able to learn that. Uh, but that's really more of a talent. That's a skill that, that maybe somebody has, has, has learned or you have had to practice and, 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 and you've been taught, okay? Uh, but a spiritual gift, it's not, not necessarily a talent. Now, God can use a spiritual gift and a talent, and they can go hand in hand, but they don't always. And, and so a spiritual gift, it's not something that you learn. It's not something that you inherit. It's something that spiritual that God gives to you spiritually. Now, it can be, it can be uh, fine-tuned. It can be, you can definitely have more understanding of what it means and how it works and, and how that plays out in your life, the more that you explore that and pray about it and, 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 and seek those things. But there is a difference in a spiritual gift and a talent. And so I want to, I want to just mention uh, a few of these gifts to you here that Paul mentions here in verse 11. Uh, he gives, uh, I believe he gives five gifts here uh, that we see. This is not all the spiritual gifts, but these are the one Paul mentions here in chapter 4 of Ephesians. So I want to look at these. First thing he talks about is apostle. It says, and in, 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 in he, talking about Jesus himself, he personally gave some to be apostles. Now, now, now some people confuse uh, the apostle uh, that's talked about in Ephesians 4, which I would call the little A apostle, with the big A apostles. Sometimes we hear apostle and we think about the 12 apostles, okay? The 12 apostles, capital A, the 12 apostles are... are were, were 12 men who were commissioned to do ministry at a certain time in the first century in the very early church, okay? And there's never going to be another capital A apostle like the 12 apostles. You say, well, well, how do you know that? Well, uh, Revelation, one of the things Revelation tells us is the name of the, the, the 12 apostles will be, uh, will, be, will be written in the kingdom of of heaven. See, see, the kind of apostle that Paul's talking about here really is uh, what that means is a messenger, someone who is sent. It's like a missionary. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you, you've been sent to represent God. You were serving as an apostle on that trip, a representative, an ambassador of Christ. And that's what an apostle is. He talks, about, he talks about evangelists. Some are, are given to be evangelists. Now, now, hear me on this. All of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. 
But there are some people that God has gifted in such a way that it's just easier for them, okay? My friend Robbie over in, in Tennessee, uh, one of my great friends, he's going to come and, and do D-Now this year. Real excited about it. Robbie's one of these guys that he'll go into a room with people and he'll present the gospel. And it's so simple. It's not super complicated. He'll present the gospel and wham, he gives the invitation and people come. I mean, God has just gifted him with that ability. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I are not supposed to present the gospel. That just means that for whatever reason, the Lord wants us to work a little harder at it. Some are given to be apostles. Some are given, are given to be um, evangelists. We also, one I skipped over is a prophet. Some are given to be prophets. You hear prophets, you think of prophecy. You hear prophecy, you think about Maybe people foretelling the future. And in, in, in the Bible, a prophet, although there are times in the Old Testament that God would give a message to a, to a prophet that would be about something that was upcoming, something in the future. Uh, in the Bible, that's really not the definition of a prophet. A prophet is not a person that tells the future. A prophet is a person who tells the truth, okay? Someone that tells the truth according to God. Teachers of the Word of God are prophets, Sunday school teachers. Hopefully pastors are prophets. They rightly divide the Word of God and they proclaim the truth to, uh, to people. But Bible study teachers, all of these people, um, our, uh, our uh, people that work with our children and our youth, they, have, they are exercising gifts of prophecy because they are teaching God's Word. They are uh, they are proclaiming the truth according to God. We also see pastors and teachers mentioned here. And, um, you know, we could go on uh, to explain this a little bit. But basically, pastoring and teaching can go hand in hand, but they don't always. A pastor is a shepherd. That's a person who, who is called to care, overall care for the needs of the church, the spiritual needs of the church. Most of the time, as a shepherd, especially if you're a, a lead shepherd at a church, then, uh, then that's going to involve you preaching and, and exercising um, you know, uh, the gift of prophecy and that you are rightly dividing the Word of God and teaching God's Word. Uh, but, but not every person that preaches is a real good teacher. Okay, So one of guys the gift of teaching, they can take concepts and knowledge and they can present it to people in a way that, 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 that it's easier for those people to understand. Some people just have a, a special ability and, and what I believe for us as believers is a spiritual gift of teaching. And so some, some pastors are good teachers, but uh, uh, some, some pastors uh, not so good. Some, some people are good teachers and not good pastors, and some people are good pastors and not so good at, at being a teacher. And so we know that they can work hand in hand, but they don't always do that. But yet these are spiritual gifts, and God gives these gifts because of a purpose. And here is that purpose: grace gifts are given to us by God to mature our faith and the faith of others. They're given by God to mature our faith in the faith of others. In San Diego, uh, there's, a, there's a church. 
uh, and they had, had built a statue in their courtyard as people were walking in. The statue of Jesus, he was standing there with his arms open. They were so proud of that statue. They loved that statue because of what it represented. Hey, hey, our, our arms are wide open, just like the arms of Christ. We're ready to receive you. That's a, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great message as people are walking in and driving by. Well, one day, some vandals broke into the church and into the courtyard, and for whatever reason, they decided to break off the hands on that statue of Jesus. And the church members began to, they, they found out about it, they began to meet to decide, what are we going to do about these hands? How are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? And, and they began talking about what it would take to have the hands redone, and, and somebody came up with an amazing idea. See, they decided not to, not to replace those hands, but instead they put a plaque there. If you go there today, you'll see this statue in this courtyard with Jesus' arms open wide, but there are no hands. But yet next to the statue is a plaque. And on the plaque it says, I have no hands but yours. I have no hands but yours. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, you are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. And he has given you everything you need to serve him. And when you use those grace gifts to glorify God, then you are doing what he created you to do. Let's pray.